Greetings, I'm Tom Batty, Executive Director of IBSC, and in wishing you well, I welcome you to the IBSC Living History Project for this, the fourth part of this limited podcast series. In the first three parts of the IBSC Living History Project, Bruce Collins spoke to North American friends about the early years of IBSC. In this fourth part, we head across the oceans to the north end of the Sydney Harbour Bridge to hear from David Anderson. In 2017, David became the third recipient of the IBSC Hawley Jarvis Award, an award forged by the IBSC Board of Trustees to honour educators whose selfless service furthers good practices in boys' education and advances the professional development of boys' educators. Since 1980, David, who is now retired, has devoted himself to boys' education in a single gender environment at Shaw School, Australia. A geography teacher by training, David certainly picked a prime spot on which to make his mark. At Shaw, in addition to his teaching, David served as senior boarding house master and boarding house master for 25 years and on the school executive for 15 years. David's first IBSC annual conference workshop in 1995 must have gone pretty well as it provided the spark for a remarkable 17 further conference workshop presentations. It was at David's skilled hand that the 10th IBSC annual conference headed to shore in 2003 and he subsequently served on the IBSC Board of Trustees until 2013, including three years as Vice Chair Australasia. David has been a force for boys' education across Australasia and beyond. He has led four IBSC regional conferences at Shaw, introduced many international guest speakers to member schools throughout Australia and New Zealand, and through reason, good humour and warm collegiality, boosted IBSC membership. A firm believer in the breadth of experience boys can gain in a single gender environment, David has actively engaged in rugby, cricket and rowing. He's a staunch advocate of teachers preparing well, enjoying a sense of humour and positively recognising each boy in their care. Thank you, David, for participating in this project and sharing your memories from your many years of involvement with IBSC. David, it's wonderful to be talking with you today about your experience of this organization that so many of us have found sort of a second home in. And um, I'm wondering, just to start, if you can give us some context and share your journey with the International Boys Schools Coalition um, the years you were involved and you've played various roles too within the organization um, uh, very early on in the 90s in particular. Um, maybe we could start there. Okay, well, at Christmas in 1994, I received a, a very formal letter from Peter Conway, who was head of the preparatory school at the university school. We had taught, we had taught together here at Shaw. And in an amazing surprise, he invited me 
to the July conference at Shaker Heights at the university school, upper school, uh, to this IBSC conference, of which, of course, I'd never heard of the IBSC. I understand the 93 and 94 gathering were mainly meetings to establish the organisation, but in 1995, it was a full-on uh, conference that we have got uh, very used to. And my school generously gave me permission to fly to Cleveland, Ohio, where I gave a workshop about teaching boys. And um, it was a wonderful conference and immediately joined by 200 American uh, delegates and quite a few international. At the time, I had been head of our preparatory school here at Shaw. I'd been head of our lower school. And at that time, I was director of boarding uh, living on campus. It was such a, an honour to be there. And I came back and introduced the IBSC to Shaw. I thought it was a perfect time for Shaw to look outside its own gates, which wasn't common even to other single-sex boys' schools in the area, to be honest. We had, of course, a great deal of connection with sport um, and debating and, and activities like that, but not professional development. So I went to a number of the conferences and I um, took a couple of our teachers with us. Shaw was most generous to allow us to go. And in New York in 2002, I was asked by the chair, Brad Joyer, from Montgomery Bell. I'd been to his school in 1999 for the conference. I was asked by Brad and also the executive director, Chris Wadsworth, um, to um, organise a Sydney conference in 12 months' time. Well, of course, it was a remarkable responsibility. and. Um, no, no pressure, no pressure at all. Absolutely incredible risk, but we were well situated at North Sydney. We weren't far from the airport, but I got to, to work to organise basically everything. The King's School did offer a, a dinner, which we had, which was wonderful, and I also received help from both the Barker headmaster and uh, the Knox headmaster, but... Um, only only quite briefly, um, if you're talking about the history of the IBSC, it was very uh, prehistoric, this particular preparation. There wasn't group email, so I, I and I wasn't proficient um, um, IT in those days. So there was a lot of people to email. Registration was here at Shaw and people had to send individual checks from school, which had to be cleared, had to be cleared from various nationality uh, banks. I did the logo. I printed the program. I organised the guest speakers, their travel. Um, 200 I accommodated on campus when the boarders went home, um, only a few days before the conference. And we took over a hotel just down the road. Uh, naturally, I was a much younger man. Um, I also was teaching, 
running the boarding house, and the day after the conference took 75 rugby players to New Zealand for a 10-day tour. So you can imagine what my poor wife and family have uh, dealt with over the years. Um, there were some wonderful keynote speakers, Michael Carr Gregg, that is still quite famous um, as an adolescent psychologist uh, in Australia, and Stephen Bidoff, who was just um, beginning to write books about uh, boys. And uh, he's continued uh, for many years. In fact, now he also writes about um, girls as well in a single-sex environment at some schools. Um, in 2003, after the conference, which was really fabulous because people were of such goodwill, and that's part of the wonderful thing about the IBC. There's so much goodwill between people. And I was invited to go onto the Board of Trustees, and that um, went from 2003 to 2013. And um, I was from 2009 to 2013 Vice Chair of the Australian New Zealand area, which was primarily promoting the IBSC to new member schools. Um, I did arrange four regional conferences at Shaw. Some of them were two or, or three days long. Um, I volunteered to take guest speakers that IBSC were tracking around the world, and they were absolutely marvellous. Some spoke to the faculty. Um, others spoke to parent groups. And, for example, we had some wonderful exchanges. Adam Cox, who's a very notable psychologist from Boston, we invited him to shore for six months, and he lived on campus for six months. His young son went to the primary school. And his wife, of course, was with him, and he interviewed boys over that six months at shore to um, write a book called boys of few words, and uh, he became a great friend, as so many others have. So um, apart from my teaching career, which I have cherished, the association with the IBSC, uh, to be honest, um, is, is totally unique, something that a normal classroom teacher would never have experienced. And the interesting thing back in 1993-94 and moving on, no one ever expected, of course, it to be an easy global organisation, but of course it grew up with the digital age and it's even more effective now. In those early years, probably your involvement as you've shared and then your leadership as the vice chair of that region really became part of establishing what is our, our second most significant region uh, beyond North America as, 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 a, as an organisation. You were instrumental in that whole process. We, we quite quickly got to about 130 schools, um, which, uh, which was great, and New Zealand most probably um, certainly more than 20, um, which was very, very exciting. David, when you reflect on those days in the early 90s when you first joined 
IBSC. I mean, there must have been some sort of pull to the organization because of the importance around the conversation of educating boys and and how relevant it still might be for boys' schools to exist. What are some of the factors that made a group like this important to be part of at that time? What what were boys' schools facing that made a coalition of schools important in your mind? Well, I was learning in the first few conferences. I, you know, I listened very carefully. And I think the initial organisation by Richard Hawley, Rick Melvoin, was to promote single-sex boys' schools because there was a feeling that co-educational uh, was beginning to really dominate. And I think we have continued um, only because of the IBSC. We've had to understand, to market and to promote our good product. For four or 500 years before that with independent boys' schools in England, I mean, one year just followed the other and um, it, 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 it wasn't um, the media uh, wasn't particularly interested. These schools acted quite individually. But the, the very beginning, I felt it was mainly concentrated on marketing. But the wonderful thing about the IBSC is that people started to take notice, uh, not so much on social media in those days, but I remember newspapers were running articles on the single-sex school, the advantages of boys learning together. And I remember we got a um, quite a good article in the New York Times. Now, the executive directors, um, Chris Wadsworth, um, Brad Adams, did a lot of work, of course, in the United States to spread this publicity. And um, countries like Australia and New Zealand uh, ran off that. And even with our own clientele, you don't know what's going to happen year after year. And we started um, joining um, the, the, the fact of writing um, in our own school media or across Australia the advantages of boys being educated in a single-sex environment. So the IBSC, I think, in the, in the world was certainly first to really start to explore this. And by our um, excellent keynote speakers and our workshops, we started getting a lot of people on the periphery of education, psychologists, um, research, research people, uh, doctors, um, people writing about empathy and really getting in to some really important aspects of teaching boys in a single-sex school that, to be honest, we mostly didn't realise we were doing. Um, which is which is un, which was unusual, um, and of course we all shared ideas from each other, and we learnt that many of us were of course aiming to do the exact same thing, and we started highlighting the the absolute role for boys of sport at school. We just took that of course for granted, but for boys it's an enormous amount of their engagement to education, so. Um, it, 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 we just feel and we still do that it's an environment for boys that they do not feel the pressure of gender roles 
and to learn, you know, to follow areas that interest boys. Um, they should have that freedom to express themselves uh, surrounded by uh, their friends. And, uh, of course, in those days we said boys must be encouraged to join singing, dancing, on stage, dramas, musicals, and must not be afraid to get into those areas. Well, I still think in those days they were, but today they're not. Do you have some cherished memories, things that for you personally are, are, are things that you always look back on with fondness? Well, the travel and the friendships are just beyond belief. Um, the, the thing that I mostly cherish most was the Jarvis um, Hawley Award that I got in Baltimore in 2017. Um, this young man from Sydney did not expect to get an award in America about education. These are overwhelming things. Um, I've been so particularly fortunate. The professional development that I cherish um, is the continual encouragement from the IBSC members. Um, the beautiful facilities of schools and learning from those schools, um, the wonderful staff that are so devoted throughout the world. Um, there's been no limit to the goodwill at the conferences. Some of the trustees that I became very close to, uh, Rick Melvoin, um, Vance Wilson from the National um, Cathedral School and Brad Joyer have been very close friends. It's just um, cherished memories, um, all too many, um, but uh, they'll be in my mind to the uh, the end of my days. Oh, David, those are wonderful memories. And I, I think that's the beauty of the organisation is all of us can reflect back on you know, even, you know, my first introduction to IBSC was um, 2011. But, but even now I have so many cherished memories like you have shared. What do you think boys' schools currently can learn from the journey of IBSC and and what IBSC schools have faced in, in the past? Because there are challenges and opportunities that boys' schools face. Well, what are those sort of key lessons you think we could take away? Well, I think we always, even today, we have to be continually focusing on um, promoting boys' schools, not only to the wider community, but the things that we do to our, um, our own parents. I think they have to understand the advantages of single-sex boys' ed education in Sydney, you constantly hear, and across Australia, people keep asking, when are boys' schools going to become co-ed schools? Yet you never hear that the girls' single-sex schools, of which there are many in Sydney and they're very good schools, nobody ever suggests that the girls' schools should become co-ed. Um, it's this pressure on boys' schools. I've said it for 25 years, I think the advancement by women at school, in the workplace, um, in every cultural and social activity has been enormous over the last 25 years. But I think um, boys and men 
have had to step backwards and we have to keep making sure that the boys we teach understand very much the important role they take um, in our schools, in society and in their future years. So we must support boys and, of course, we must, must su support women. Um, I think we have to maintain in our schools, um, and I know it's expensive, but I think the challenge is to maintain the involvement of staff and boys in as many co-curricular activities as possible. Um, I think with the very busy schedules of our teachers these days and mum and dad working, um, maybe our co-curricular program um, is not as strong as it may have used to be. People want to take less sport or less co-curriculars. I think that's an essence of single-sex boys' schools, the uh, uh, co-curricular activities. I think we have to think very carefully if our boys are going to succeed in the wider world. We have to balance teaching between the written word, um, reading for understanding, and, of course, use, use, the use of digital devices. That is a, a, a real challenge um, a, a, as the devices seem to be overtaking so many things um, within our school. Um, I think we must teach. A challenge in single-sex schools is to teach and monitor student behaviour in regard to gender-based uh, cruelty, uh, both to each other and, and to the opposite sex, and I think that the staff need a great deal of awareness and training in that regard. I think schools have to be linked closely now with community, and I think we also have to be in consultation with our community, particularly service of our boys. They need to be seen outside the school gates contributing uh, to lay the foundation for a much better society Children must be allowed, I, I think, to grow up um, of either gender and to make it a, a really strong, caring um, and nurturing environment. And um, it's our responsible responsibility to really lay those foundations at our school. Look, I just think that we just have to work very hard um, to continue to motivate the curiosity of boys and uh, to uh, have them understand the world around these days, soaking up all kinds of information and skills to make education an adventure. I think the classroom teacher is still the, is the core of the whole exercise. Um, and we can't be afraid to give boys experiences. Boys must still be taught the values that they learn at school and not just values whilst they're at schools but values that will make them better people when they're 40. David you spoke in this final piece about education being an adventure or inviting boys into an adventure and this conversation for me has been like that it's been an adventure into the past it's been an adventure across continents it's been an adventure um, into the world of teaching boys and 
I just want to thank you for sharing your insights, sharing your wisdom and sharing your story. It's been wonderful to host you on this conversation today. And I know that your thoughts and your insights are going to inspire the next generation of teachers and leaders in boys' schools. Thank you so much.